Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Peacock, Apple TV Plus? How many streaming services are there nowadays? What do they have to offer viewers? Begun the streaming wars have, and we're taking a look at the new status quo. I'm Brandon Kesselin, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. Hello everyone, Nerdcraft Nation is back. I'm Brandon Kessley, your host, and I'm here with my co-host Austin Hall. Hello. Jose Lopez. Hey there. And Chris Walker. Sup. So guys, wanted to talk to y'all a bit about this phenomenon that's been going on these last few years. You've noticed a lot of streaming services have been popping up ever since Netflix started getting big and popping and everyone's been pulling their content and doing their own streaming service. So I think we've colloquially called it the streaming wars. I mean, I wanted to get your your takes on it, see how you feel, what, what you've been watching. I know we've talked a little bit before about DC Universe, but Jose has also made the joke, which was the correct take that DC Universe was effectively going away. But, you know, there's stuff like HBO Max. We already know about Hulu and Disney Plus has had a lot of success, especially during COVID. Peacock is already out. And, and so with the rise of all these streaming services, what are your guys thoughts on everything so far let's start with chris on this one what are your your thoughts on the various streaming services so on a previous episode i brought up the fact that like the stream wars were clearly here and that the first casualty would be netflix and basically later like the nickelodeon deal dropped and honestly netflix is kind of just not lost pace they're doing something really smart which is that they've been producing a lot of things and they've also been sending out a lot of things to different networks they're the producer on the last dance and they have the international rights on that honestly i really thought this was an over for netflix and netflix Netflix has kind of just figured out a way to pivot out of flailing into the wind. I think that we're going to wind up with a very saturated market if we aren't already there. But I think what's impressive is the fact that no company is like really overlined with another company. If you want something very specific, you can go and you can subscribe to that other one. You can subscribe to all of these and find something different at all of these different streaming channels. The issue is, is that it's a cost thing. Like if you're spending one hundred and five dollars for seven different streaming channels and then you also got cable on top of that just to keep up with normal television then you're kind of wiling sooner or later there's going to be a crackdown on password sharing and everything like that but we don't need to get into that but at the same time you know we're in the midst of like a revolution when it comes to television and how we consume media and this is like all these companies trying to keep up and trying to get ahead of it a couple years ago i think espn fired a lot of on-air talent and like let specific personalities go 
go into different networks without much of a wrangle and like blatantly they started a rumor that a former coach was going to become a coach again that kind of helped him get a job and get a lot of money at that job and I'm not going to say who the coach is on air because I do not want ESPN coming down my throat on this because I'm scared of Disney money what and like yeah no this is really a thing if there was a sports documentary to be made about like all the ESPN firings from I think it was like 2016 2017 and like how people just wind up leaving the jobs that they were at and then their pivots to like mobile media and streaming media with ESPN plus and the fact that they spent like a shit ton of money on the Longhorn Network then I give you a mountain of stuff that's really an off-air conversation but if you follow like any of the big four major sports leagues then you kind of know who I'm talking about right now so I'll leave that at that okay but yeah I think we're in the middle of like a great revolution and we're gonna get a lot of content we're gonna get a lot of nostalgia content because Peacock they're bringing back safe by the bell and nobody fucking asks for that like <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that shit man like that's a hot mess Damn. Honestly, like, what? What else are we... I don't know. Did anybody really ask for Fuller House? Yo, that's true. Full House was not that good of a show to begin with, too. And now you got the whole Anne Becky scandal. Yo, what a scandal. What a time. I would say this. If Bill Cosby weren't a disgusting human being, which is really asking for a lot, we would probably be getting like a Cosby show retread. I mean, I could see them doing that with like the style that they did the Connors with uh, Roseanne. Like, just yeah. kill the character off screen and then just move on with the rest of the cast. Yeah. I mean, that'd I think, be the same. With- actually, that would be, it would literally be the same. But I think that we're yeah. a lot closer to it than we think. I do think that one of the casualties of the streaming wars might be Hulu. Hmm. And Go this on. is like a complete hot take. But I think that Hulu, majority owned by Disney now, because they bought it Fox. And like, Hulu's kind of like the, the tie situation between Universal, Comcast, NBC, and Disney and sooner or later that's going to die off so like we might see a contract wrangling and that's going to kill that Mm -hmm. I also think that like Amazon go more full force and become like a ESPN light going on there but still yeah there still have some stuff that's hanging in there I'd say that DC Universe is definitely going to be the first one to go out of all of them they're already slowly going away you got the Harley Quinn show going on let's see sci-fi you got the Swamp Thing show popping up in the CW so I feel like it's only a matter of time until DC Universe officially goes away. You got Doom Patrol is going to be on HBO Max, so it's already slowly phasing out. I'm surprised yeah. that Netflix is still holding on by a thread, I think, with a lot of the original content that they have. Like, I know a lot of the shows that people used to watch, The Office and Friends, those are going away and going to other platforms, so yeah, it's going to take a lot for Netflix to come up with some really good original content to keep their subscribers going, because basically I think that the streaming wars are basically just going to be the new cable, in a way. Like, this is effectively what's yeah. replacing cable. You're paying for all these subscriptions that tastefully turns into another cable subscription. You got so many streaming platforms nowadays. It seems almost inevitable that like you can subscribe to all of them. So people are going to have yeah. to like really make some hard decisions. Like, all right, all right, which platform really has the show I love and stick with that one and maybe sacrifice the other ones. I mean, when BET has a streaming platform and you know 
went wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't mention that for a reason. Oh, I'm sorry. The <laughs> Tyler Perry streaming platform. There we so go. That's basically, who's running it? There you go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's the truth. When everybody and their grandma needs to have a streaming platform. Yeah. Austin, what are your thoughts on the streaming war? Well, I mean, they have Apple TV, which I can't get, even though I have Apple Music. There's Quibi. I don't know what that's going to be. There was a tweet I saw somewhere where it said that we were supposed to be cord cutting to like save money or whatever. And now we can't do that because there's a million different sites that have streaming services. Maybe it will come to a head at some point and maybe they'll get rid of cable. I don't know. Cable still has sports. And even though YouTube TV and ESPN Plus are coming along, I don't know how reliable they're going to be down the line once it's like cable's cable only got to be essential for like sports live events sports, like sports and, and it's news over for them yeah but yeah. the minute amazon and amazon prime catches up to that the nba sells like single game like little packages every now and again during the season for like i think like two dollars a game and you can just stream it on your laptop or on tv if you have streaming on there too and honestly with so many choices nowadays that's something that a lot of cable companies don't give you a lot of choices of like you have to buy a set of channel packets that come with it you can't just pick and choose the channels you want it's like oh okay great i have all these channels that i do want but if say for example if you don't watch anything on pop tv then like i'm still paying for this damn thing because it's just part of the package but with streaming service you don't need that but then again it wrecks so say life. you're not watching reruns of everybody loves raymond <laughs> Don't they still have those on TBS? If not, then... Maybe that's on TNT also. Oh, well, yeah. Either way, there's other channels to get that from. Yeah, a lot of streaming channels need to ramp it up on their original content. Like, Austin, I know you brought up Disney+, Plus, but, like, I feel like that's only hanging on, besides the nostalgic content, in terms of original content, on Star Wars and Marvel content. Because in terms of, like, the non-Star Wars or Marvel content, is anybody watching Encore or that god-awful Stargirl movie? No. I have caught the Jeff Goldblum bloom national geographic series though and that's actually genuinely entertaining yeah but i haven't heard like almost anybody talk about it since they debuted it's like oh, okay it's like a fun yeah, thing it's fun but yeah. yeah i didn't even know it's that not, it's on it, yet yeah but it's not like the mandalorian that like everybody's talking about they got baby yoda trending and everything that's true also you did bring up a couple things where there are a bunch of streaming services that we don't even really think about i mean like it seems like almost every major studio in like tv provider in general has their own streaming service at this point but like also was talking about with Apple TV Plus and you know yeah. Chris was talking about ESPN Plus I know Hulu used to be the middle ground but we have all these different streaming services so like just imagine like all the Viacom stuff that the stuff that they own like VH1 MTV MTV2 BET all the stuff that they own like Nickelodeon stuff like that I mean sure they have like Nickelodeon stuff that went to Netflix but like all the other stuff that they if they want like you go to Pluto TV and use it you don't have to log in just stream it you can cast it to your Chromecast or whatever I mean and then there's Amazon Prime with stuff like the Boys, Man in the High Castle. Is Mr. Robot Amazon or Netflix? That's neither. That's USA, AMC. USA, USA Network. Network. Yeah, USA. That's USA. My bad. USA Network. Mr. Robot? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's USA Network. Okay, then. Wow, I was way off. And CBS All Access is basically just the Star Trek channel at this point. That and the good fight. Oh, that's not on CBS regular All CBS? Access. Oh. No, no, that's CBS All Access. Oh, okay. I think that they air episodes on regular CBS in the summer. That oh. show also slaps. Like, that oh. show goes hard. It's also very anti-Trump to okay. the point of hilarity, but, you know. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that there was more than just the Star Trek show. Yeah. Oh, and then there's the, also the, the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot that that was on. Okay. 
Yeah. And that okay. one was just okay at best. One of the smart things that Netflix did, and I think HBO is doing right now, HBO Max is doing right now, is that Netflix went out and was like, Shauna Rhimes, come and work with us. Ryan Murphy, come and work with us. Kenya yeah. Barras, come and work with us and give us like all this great content. And yeah. Politician is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And like is zany and it bops around. If you ever watched Popular and Glee, it's very much like a love child of those two shows, except with like high school politics more in the background and gradually it's going to become more of a political like adult political thriller show in my hope and then kenya barris's black af honestly it has very good points and it has very like kenya barris needs to stop talking about his distest for caribbean medical schools points yeah i haven't gotten all the way through it it is definitely hit or miss but i mean in the vein of blackish because you know and the other ish shows that kenya barris has, has produced it definitely fits his style of comedy yeah I think Rashida Jones is actually good on that. Yeah. My favorite part of that is people discovering Rashida Jones is black, but that's a true conversation. I think that black AF is Kenya Barris trying to have his curb your enthusiasm moment, but like he kills his own buzz at times. So I don't know. Understandable. Yeah. I think that but one like, good thing that Netflix is really doing is they're teaming up with like some really good creative talent behind the scenes too. Yeah. You got uh, Ava DuVernay with When They See Us. You got Martin Scorsese pulling his like four hour movie of the Irish when nobody else would because like damn this shit is expensive and really long and they're the only ones that took a risk with it and, and he's wanted to do that for years yeah. yeah technology finally caught up to for him to be able to do that and make 80 year old robert nero look 50 years old and they just dropped like a couple of decent action movies yeah extraction with chris hemsworth is really good yes and they have that other one with ryan reynolds Six yeah yeah with michael bay it. yeah yeah so yeah they're getting some real talent there yeah. so i think that's something that's working in their favor in terms of like getting original content up and going I think that they're realizing that the nostalgia angle is only going to get them to a point and that they have to Mm -hmm. go and start churning out more and more original content as it goes on because they're still generating money. The subscriptions are still coming in and that's insane to me because like I don't understand how they make money but like if you're going off of subscriptions and how many people will subscribe and how many people aren't subscribing and you're projecting numbers off of that you're going to have a high stock price and I guess that's what's happening right now with them and that's how they're able to give like record break deals to Shondaland. Yeah. And I think they have the benefit of being like the first innovators in this field because even like mm-hmm. a lot of shows that aren't on their platform are attributed to Netflix. Like there was this whole thing back I think a few years ago where like the show Good Omens was causing some sort of like commotion with fanatical Christians and they wanted to cancel Netflix for putting the show on and then Netflix was like that's on Amazon Prime you guys. But yeah. <laughs> and Amazon's like alright we'll cancel Omens if you cancel a strange things is like oh, okay good one yeah that was actually really funny so one thing that i've noticed and you guys correct me if i'm wrong or even just pitch in this is an open question so what do you guys feel is necessary for a streaming service to succeed i feel like i've might have asked this either on a prior episode or in the group chat but i've noticed a lot of times that there's like a signature series or a signature movie that's on a lot of the streaming platforms sometimes both yeah netflix used to have like house of cards and a couple of other series that you know aren't with the new black and things that were really selling points for them to gain new subscribers disney plus has the mandalorian which has really gotten a lot of people to link on to it dc universe had titans as its flagship series for a bit and i'm wondering if you guys think that's something that's necessary for a streaming platform to succeed yeah i think you definitely need to have at least more than one winning horse in a streaming service like yeah it's great you have like the one show that everybody watches but like even when you're in off season you gotta keep other 
shows in there. Like once that show season wraps up, you're going to want to have other content in there to keep people engaged and keep people subscribed. Like a lot of people dropped out of Disney Plus after The Mandalorian wrapped up. I was like, all right, I'm done. I got what I wanted. I'll sign back up when like the Marvel show start up or something. And that's an approach that a lot of people are doing. Yeah, the DC Universe shows after Titans premiered, they had to like come up with other stuff. Doom Patrol these was really well. And yeah, they just had to keep their platform going. Apple Plus, I feel like still hasn't hit their like winning horse yet. Like they're still trying out things with different series. So, but I feel like none of them have really like gotten to the level of sensation that some other shows have. Like they need like sort of that Netflix strategy that they had back in the early days when Netflix had Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, Stranger Things, and all these shows that keep people. And when they had like the original Marvel Netflix shows, Daredevil, Luke Cage, those kept people engaged. Those kept the subscriptions kept going months on end. But for these other platform shows, then it feels like most of them, at least for now, only have like maybe the one winning horse and maybe a couple things here and there, but nothing that if they had to cut one, then people would decide like, all right, how much do I want to follow the show or how do I want to find the show in other methods, quote unquote, but they need basically need to keep them engaged and subscribing to their content. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, you brought up Daredevil and like the Marvel Netflix shows like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, when they came out for season one, they were getting like network television viewership numbers. Yeah, they were huge hits back when they first came out. Yeah, honestly, Jose, you hit that on the head. Like, I think to a certain degree, you also need some nostalgia content like you need some older shows just to filter into there just in case people need to find something like honestly i think that if like a network had like the fresh print of bel-air just sitting in their content library that'd probably help them a lot it's hbo max because i saw it in the commercial yeah there was a commercial like here's where the dark knight meets the fresh prince no fucking way yeah i thought that was owned by universal straight up okay i also thought it too but then it's like wait no i remember it in the HBO Max commercial there. So they're going to have that and the DC Universe content. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to have freaking Sesame Street and all this other stuff. <laughs> They're going to have Sesame Street, all the old HBO content. All the Looney Tunes. Like, all the Looney Tunes shit. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. They're putting up a fight there. Yeah. Well, wow. when you're owned by Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers owns like DC, Looney Tunes. They a own, lot like, of IP. Most of your like childhood. They're, they're yeah. giving Disney Plus a run for their money at that point. Plus yeah. all the HBO content, like all the old classics. Uh, yeah. Sopranos, now Game the of Wire. Thrones. Yeah, The Wire. I kind of feel like Viacom should like lean into not just Pluto tv but also into netflix i mean if they can make yeah. a deal with nickelodeon like they should just make a deal with all of viacom and then like that might actually help both entities yeah because i'm thinking like okay why does bet have a streaming service again it's gonna be like all tyler perry content yeah i don't watch bet anymore i haven't since like aj and free left 106 in park and like rap city got canceled but like it's just i don't know man i don't know i mean maybe they could surprise me I mean, it would be one thing if like the wire went there but that's also hbo and like yeah, power HBO. and stuff like that like hbo and stars had that stuff and like, I think Amazon premium. Prime also has like the older seasons of HBO shows. Yeah. That's gone though. End of May mm-hmm. and then going to HBO Max. Yep, yeah, sounds about right. Awesome. What are your thoughts on like flagship series and films? Do you think it's a necessity for services to really succeed or fail? Yeah, that's why you sign on to these things. That's what makes them unique. I don't remember what brought me onto Netflix, but when people think of Netflix, they think of, you know, Stranger Things or something like that. When people think of Hulu, they think of The Handmaid's Tale. People think of Amazon Prime. They think of 
the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I think the culture has changed because Hulu came on and they were the only service that was offering full seasons of shows that we either couldn't get anywhere else or offered the platform where we could see them. And then Netflix did that without commercials. And then Netflix became the king. And then once Disney Plus came along, Disney is Disney, so the product sells itself. But even they came up with original content right away with The Mandalorian and the developing MCU shows. I mean, that's never going to change. Apple TV is exclusively just their own content. Quibi is going to be the same way. So that's never going to... Yeah. In terms of content, everyone's going to you know, put out their own content. The thing that's going to be interesting to see is which streaming service gets which rights. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, it's kind of like the console wars in a sense. It's really about the exclusive content. Like if you look at back in the day when Sega still had consoles and it was like Dreamcast versus PlayStation N64. And then PS2 came out and Xbox came out and then GameCube came out. And Sega was just like, they were like, we can't do this because they had like the Genesis, they had the Saturn, they had the Game Gear, they were trying to get into handheld and then they, they couldn't keep up yeah they decided to start making games but like now like a lot of the video game industry really revolves around it's like exclusive content i went from xbox 360 to ps4 simply because ps4 had an exclusive baseball video game and will be the show that's what's sells your product so the streaming wars are probably going to come down to them figuring out what their niche is it's a really good point yeah that's true yeah no also you just made me think about something like i don't really know what's the profile for someone joining a streaming service like this is a video streaming service like you can probably figure out someone like who regularly uses spotify for music versus using it just for podcasting versus using like apple music or even someone who has title like you you can probably make a profile and like kind of really figure out a person person's personality or at least their tastes from like those things but can you really do that with a streaming service for like video streaming doesn't netflix already do that with like recommended shows well yeah but i mean like they recommend stuff to you but like if you have an xbox you can like almost in a pretentious way you can kind of like say oh you have an xbox so you're probably like this this so you can like kind of like have a preconceived notion about somebody from like the game streaming okay. the games like the game cons- like the console they have the music services they use and stuff like that you can kind of piece together like maybe a bit of a life story from them you can't really do okay. that with a streaming service right what is the ideal consumer for like certain streaming services, right? Okay. What is the ideal consumer for them? What is the ideal? So niche? I guess what would be a difference in like somebody like say, oh, okay, I noticed that you watched all the Marvel and Netflix shows and the superhero movies. So you must be into superheroes. Like what's the difference between that and what you're saying? So kind of to Austin's point earlier, the video streaming services are kind of different than the video streaming service, right? It's like different from a console. Like when you get a console, like there are consoles that are there for like someone who likes more family oriented content or like, mm-hmm. you know, if they have an Nintendo content, they get a Switch, right? If they have like a hardcore gamer or they like role-playing games, then they get a PS4. If they're really into shooting games, then they get an Xbox, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't really do that with a streaming service. Like, like the best, the most you can do is like, if someone really likes Disney movies, they get Disney+. Plus. If someone really likes HBO content, they go to HBO. Max, and like, you can say like, oh yeah, if you guys really like, you know, Looney Tunes and all sorts of stuff, then maybe. But like, what is the ideal consumer for these various streaming services, right? Because like, you guys made mm-hmm. a good point earlier that it's 
it's really like cable. If you go to Spotify, you can say that they might have an ideal consumer. They have a target demographic, right? Video yeah. game consoles have a target demographic. What is the target demographic for these various streaming services? Yeah. Okay. So I think I understand what you were saying clearer now. So I guess it depends on the content is what I would say to that. Like for streaming services that have a little bit of everything, that's harder to gauge. But like the newer ones coming out like Apple TV and Quibi, those are very specific types of content that you can kind of figure out what that kind of audience is for those shows. The fuck is Quibi? It's five, ten minute like yeah. TV shows. They have like a version of Punk hosted by Chance the Rapper. They've got like all these mini shows. Isn't there like a show with, with Sophie Turner in there? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. They have a very aggressive marketing campaign. I think they have a show that has like, Liam Hensworth. Liam Hensworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like a bank robber or something like that. I think yeah. that's one of them. Oh, and there's a but Shudder. Like, that's the one that's all horror movies. So you know what kind of people you're getting for that streaming platform. <laughs> Exactly. And then they have like a little news content from like, I think Bloomberg and ESPN and someone else. Yeah. So I, I guess the content really drives the type of personality you're attracting because big ones like Disney, HBO Max, Netflix, they're trying to appeal to all four quadrants. They want something for everybody on their shows. Yeah. But the smaller ones are trying to be more niche. Yeah. Like there's one called BritBox and it's for people that are Anglophiles and it's got like the less showy, like big time English shows. Like I think it has a Luther. Yeah. Luther oh. was on Netflix for a while. It has Gwen and Stacy. Oh. It has Downton Abbey. No, or is that a PBS um, only thing? I don't even know where Downton Abbey would be. It has like more British shows that you wouldn't really know. It has Footballers' Wives and like more of the British soaps, also mm-hmm. like Coronation Street. There's one that's like a streaming service that's just like all shows from like Scandinavia, from like Denmark and Sweden and Finland and Iceland and Norway. I don't remember what it's called, but like it's very focused in that area. And it's a lot of like thrillers and like weird comedies, but it works. Even Facebook has their own streaming channel. Yeah. And they have, like, the Ball Brothers and I don't know what else. The Liz Olsen show. But, like, that's another thing. Like, you also have to have a lot of names that are, like, big enough to, especially in the acting department and in, like, the just pop culture department. Like, that Lonzo Ball and the Ball Family show got Facebook a lot of impressions on their Facebook video platform. Because that was the only place that you could watch it until, like, clips just wind up on YouTube and on Instagram. Hmm. You got to have something that it's going to draw people's eyes in and get them to focus and get them to keep coming back for more. And in certain cases, you have to go and you have to sell ad revenue around that in the term of the Facebook video. I don't know what the ad policies it's going to be for the other channels other than Hulu, which still has an ad free option. And there's the option with ads that's cheaper. But but yeah. Speaking of Hulu, Little Fires Everywhere is a great alternative to Big Little Lies. If you're looking for that. Oh, my God. Little Fires Everywhere is the shit. Carrie Washington looks like she's going to kill someone every episode. And you're like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen and then it just doesn't and you're like well you know it makes sense makes sense yeah once you learn her character's backstory it's like oh that's what happened oh, okay this makes sense I'll have to give first five shot. minutes of that show i was like this woman has to be Jamaican. yeah where's jesus, <laughs> jesus <laughs> she literally fun. looked like Love she was her. about to slap the shit out of everybody damn carrie washington you hanging out with my aunties again <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> austin any other takes you want to throw out there yeah i mean it basically what everyone else has been saying is that as long as one of the streaming services finds its niche and it'll have more of a long-standing place in our entertainment lexicon. And like the console wars, do you guys think there'll be casualties along the way? Like we're already starting to see that with DC Universe. Who do you think it will be the next kind of few ones to go? Quibi. Quibi, yeah. I could see that happening. Quibi. Yeah. Apple Plus, if they don't get like a big enough show, like the morning show, I think 
was yeah. getting some buzz. But like after that, I don't know what else they got going on. Critical acclaim only gets you so far. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of interesting looking shows, but no one's talking about them. Yeah. And no yeah. one's getting Apple TV anyway. So mm-hmm. that Dickinson show looks interesting. Right. Like it looks like yeah. fun, but like, have I watched it yet? No. They also yeah. got the new Chris Evans show with the kid who was also in Knives Out defending Jacob. The like crime thriller show that oh, looks yeah. very interesting based yeah, on a novel. Yeah. The fact that I don't even know half of the stuff you guys are talking about right now just kind of shows that one or two things. Either I am living under a rock or Apple TV Plus has just been really shit with marketing. You're not living under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why nobody's talking about them. You haven't heard of them. Yeah, no, they've been awful at marketing their shit. Mm-hmm. I think that more networks are going to start drawing their lines in the sand in terms of what content they're keeping and what content they're going to send out. And the minute that starts to happen, certain stream services are fucked. And I don't think anyone's going to succeed and flourish because of it. But I think that they're just going to make sure that someone doesn't get onto something and that's going to help them in the long run. Fair. All right. Austin, you got any hot takes for today? I'll say this. I think there's going to be a ton of documentaries coming out that are multi-part series. We've already seen the massive success of The Last Dance. ESPN just announced they're going to do a nine-parter with Tom Brady. I think the streaming services might try their hand at doing multi-part documentary series. Tiger King has one. Blew up. Speaking of Netflix, they also have two seasons of this documentary series called Dirty Money where it just goes through different corrupt money laundering schemes and whatnot. It's very good. I'd recommend it. Amazon Prime has a very good documentary about Leeds United, the soccer team in England who used to be one of the biggest clubs in the world. For a while they were barely getting by in the lower leagues in England and now they're like on their way back up and it's very impressively done. Yeah, let's not forget the Fired Festival documentaries that came out both on Hulu and Netflix. They literally, like, turned that into an arms race to get it out before each other. Basically. Yeah, you got it again. Tiger King on Netflix that, like, took off when this whole quarantine thing started and everybody was talking about it. Hulu has some great ones on Hillary Clinton. Austin, you brought up the Tom Brady one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm also going to follow this up by saying, like, did Tom Brady have the same cultural impact as Michael Jordan? That's a good point. Oh, no. No, not even close. Not even close. Michael Jordan, you become a Bulls fan because of Michael Jordan. Like, America was a Bulls fan because of Michael Jordan. America hates the Patriots (laughs) because of Tom Brady. But but Tom, his hate isn't even equal to the Jordan love. Not even close. Tom Brady's on Mischief Mountain or whatever they had for Space Jam. Or Michael Jordan is in the movie Space Jam, so... Yeah. yeah, I concur. The best Tom Brady I, could do is like a I, cameo I, on Ted. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just, you know. Jesus Christ. Anyway. And Entourage. And Entourage. Uh, I don't think that Serena Williams and the Williams sisters should do a documentary yet. I think in like five more years they should, though. Makes sense. They're more culturally relevant than Tom Brady ever yeah. was. Tennis is completely different because of Venus, especially. Because like if you go and you look up Venus's early career, she's arguing for better salaries for women. She's arguing for against the racial treatment she's getting in certain tournaments like wild shit like that there's about to be an autobiographical movie or be about them and their dad and will smith is playing their dad richard in that i think it's called king richard i could be very wrong about that and it's probably going to be very good you want to make a nine-part documentary Make a nine-part documentary about U.S. women's soccer, ESPN, because you have all that fucking content. And if you go back, women's soccer as a whole is a 
very young and like still in an interesting like very young teenagery early adult period where like they're not being paid that much and things like that but at the same time you go from that first women's world cup till now you have a team that goes and hits a peak very early hits some lows slowly like picks it up and pulls it all together and like you can talk about Mia Hamm you can talk about Abby Wambach for an entire episode you can talk about the gradual growth of the game at the women's level of the leagues and how money is going in there and you can get nine parts on that and you could focus it through the u.s women's team don't see where espn's not coming up with that we should produce that and i would just be sitting there yelling hey 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 hey! don't make no ronaldo jokes we respect ofimano instead espn's gonna do a nine part special about mls because of their contract with them guarantee it fuck mls <laughs> <laughs> MLS that deserves would... all the fucking disrespect in the world. I would watch a two-hour documentary about MLS. I would not watch anything over three two, uh, or four episodes on MLS. Yeah. I think you make one and you call it a day. Yeah. Once enough. I would take an ESPN documentary on Damian Lillard shot against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yes. Okay. In game five of that series. Honestly, that whole playoffs. You know what? Playoffs both. was just an amazing playoff series. You could give me a just... 10-part documentary on that right oh, after that you go when you have seismic shifts in that NBA. Give me a documentary on the 98 World Cup final in which Ronaldo had a full-on seizure like right before and Nike basically forced him to play. Oh, shit. I didn't remember the that, fuck? but damn. That, yeah, that would be it's a real documentary thing. worthy, damn. Yeah. I don't know if Ronaldo will admit to it, but, you know, or Nike. <laughs> Yo, he owns a soccer team now, too, so yeah. in Spain. I think they did one on Messi. Might have been on Messi. I think there is one yeah. on Messi. Might be a- There's a good one on Ronaldo, and it's clearly to humanize him a little bit but it also just makes you go damn yeah. this man is kind of a robot why he got four kids there's one on pele i think Pele man. On there's one on maradona on hbo and not enough cocaine talk <laughs> Good, clearly not enough cocaine talk on that show yeah all right let's get off this uh shamrock ball talk <laughs> i still cannot believe that the snyder cut is actually happening and it's going on hbo max it's like wow you called this in one of the episodes. Yeah. You called it. Yeah, it's like, wow. You called it. It's really happening. I mean, it felt like the perfect storm for it to happen. First of all, with like the COVID thing, the studio can't film a lot of new content. So it's like, well, we already have this content already in hand. We just need like 20 to 30 million to finish it up. Go nuts. They're saying that they might turn into either a four-hour movie or a six-part miniseries. I mean, in all honesty, I feel like a Zack Snyder movie would work better as a six-part miniseries because he tries to fill yeah. a shit ton of content in there in his movies. And that's one of the reasons why BVS just didn't work. There was too many things thrown in there. So a miniseries might be the way to go, but damn it seems like more trends like this that keep going on like the hashtag release the snyder cut that's how we got this to happen save the clone wars yep clone wars Young Justice. It Young seems, Justice. Seems like Veronica Mars. Yeah. Yo, does this mean we can get the original cut of Solo? Maybe. Yo. If you bitch about it hard enough, the internet will Yo. provide. Kathy, do us a solid. <laughs> Lord and Miller cut of Solo. Lord and Miller cut. Do us a solid, yeah. yo. They were already saying, like, the A-year cut of Suicide Squad might be a thing, but they were like, oh, one thing at a time, guys. Yeah, yo. I, I, I don't want to see that. I don't know how much uh, that's going to help anything, if at all. Will there be a used dildo in it? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Oh, man. That's not our fault. That's Jared Leto. Fuck him. Yeah, it seems like if you bitch and moan hard enough, you will get things happening. That's what prompted the redesigns to Haunted the Hedgehog movie. People hated yeah. the fucking redesign. 
design. They complained about it online relentlessly and they were like, you know what? You guys are right. This fucking design sucks. So we're going to go back to the drawing board and it helped them out for the better. Yeah. It yeah. actually helped the movie become a success. Yeah. Isn't it now like yeah. the highest grossing video game movie? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I did not see that coming at yeah. all. I, I literally mean, thought it was going to be trash from the, from the first trailer and then. I thought it was going to tank. Yeah. Even with the redesign, I was like, this movie's going to tank. It doesn't look, it still doesn't look good. Yeah. And surprisingly, it was like, oh, it's actually pretty enjoyable. Jim Carrey turned in like a very good performance since like the 90s. So I was like, wow, solid turnaround for that movie. And like it served them well because I think the fans backed them up after the redesign. It's like, all right, we complained about it. So all right, yeah. we got to see this movie and support it. So the Snyder Cut fans, those people, they got to get HBO maxed out. It's like it should be in their contracts. Like, all right, you wanted this to happen. You bitched about it realistically. Well, now you're getting it and you're going to sign up for HBO max. That's the deal. Are we all caught up on Harley Quinn at this point? Yep. Did you see the episode where they fall around Batman? There's a lead in and the guy's wearing a release of Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he's very misogynistic and very dickish and a very classic toxic fanboy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is the first time I've ever agreed with a toxic fanboy move, but not because I think that they were right, just because I want the content and I want to see if there's an actual difference. And if there's an actual difference, then there's an actual difference. But if there isn't, then, you know, fuck it. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. I think I've said on the show that as much of a critic of Zack Snyder that I have been, I still feel like his cut of the Justice League movie was going to be a fundamentally better movie than what we got. And I am curious if it changes my mind about his vision and how the characters wound up by the end of it. Because I feel like by losing his cut of Justice League, I kind of lost whatever would have been the culmination of his vision. And if it works by finally getting the Snyder cut, then great. If it doesn't, oh well. Didn't spend more than whatever you subscribe to HBO Max for to get to watch it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see that nightmare scene from VVS actually pay off this time. Yeah. And that's one of the things. Like, just having things pay off. Yeah. Not leaving a shit on the cutter room floor. Yeah. Uh, Jose, any other hot takes? Apocalypse War, you guys. That movie basically felt like what Snyder wanted to do long term. That was like DC's version of Endgame without actually copying Marvel. So, thought it was very well done. So, definitely check it out. My only criticism was that it's like if you watched Endgame and then got clips of Infinity War in between, but I would have loved to see a whole Infinity War type of thing and an Endgame with what they did for the last DC animated movies. Mm. You think that might be where they go with uh, Young Justice Season 4? Not to the extent that they went in this movie. This movie definitely feels like it's a conclusion to this saga, so if they do that with uh, Young Justice, that's the series finale right there. Okay. Chris, you want to go? I would love to go. Thank you, sir. My hot take is this. I genuinely think that we should not get another season of Watchmen. No, no more seasons. But yeah. once one and done. Yep, that ended perfectly. One and done that. But we should get the same team of people helming a possible Legion of Superheroes show. Oh. And that should get more political than people think it should. That'd be interesting. Huh. I don't know if David Lindelof would go with that, but that'd be an interesting take. I think David Lindelof would be the right person to helm. Like, it's such a big organization. They have, like, over 200 mm-hmm. members, if I'm remembering yeah. this correctly. I feel like you have to convince and, like, him, though, because I feel like Watchmen, there was a mature content from the get-go. Legion of Superheroes, you kind of have to convince him, like, okay, this is how it can be more mature. Exactly. I think that, like, that's going to wind up being a show that HBO Max does and lets Greg Berlanti do, and oh, we're all going to be uh, like, oh, yep. God. I mean, and like, the more you say it, the more eyes. likely it sounds like it's going to be a thing. Yeah, but I think that like Lindelof would be better, especially with HBO money and like just ability. Yeah. Or even just like get Ava DuVernay to do that. 
because she's doing new gods. Yeah. And I feel like she would just want to have fun with something. I don't agree with her direction sometimes, but like, unless yeah. it's a documentary, yeah. I don't agree with her direction. I mean, she's I think hit most things. It's just wrinkle of time that she dropped the ball on. She can take the L for that yeah. one. But for most other but like, things, I think done solid I think job. a wrinkle in time had so many issues. And I mean, that just story like is just wild job. to begin with. So anyone yeah, who tries to adapt yeah. that... It's a hard job to begin with. I think simplifying it's TV that show. Yeah. hard. Not even a TV show. Yeah. This is a Malice in Wonderland shit. There's some really trippy shit going on. It's not easy to adapt mm-hmm. either as a TV show or a movie, I think. Okay, that's a good point. But I think she would have fun with like a Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. What about Greg Wiseman and Brandon Vietti? For a Legion of Superheroes show? For Legion of yeah. Superheroes. Yeah, that'd be dope too. Do they own, mainly do animation though? Or or do you think it'd go either way for live action or animation? I think it would have to be animation. They can do a live action if you if what you're more looking for Chris if it's live action is almost guaranteed to be Berlanti I kind of don't want yeah. it to be Berlanti I'm thinking live action but I genuinely just don't want it to be Berlanti so I'll take it in any way shape or form nothing against Greg Berlanti he's done some good work on television so far but I also think that it's time to just chill the fuck out Arrowverse has gone off the rails very far and I don't know if that's his fault or just like wanting to keep fans happy or something like that get some diverse range of people in your get a new voice in there it's just a hot mess for a number of reasons and complete hot take out of nowhere I think that if Netflix plays their cards right and they can get Nickelodeon to sign off on it and they can get everybody originally involved in this show that they will continue Avatar The Last Airbender's anime run and they're going to do it from what you get in the graphic novels and the comics so we're going to see how Zuko finds his mom we're going to see what happens to the kingdoms and they're going to build it out in an animated way and I think we're going to need something not bad but we're going to need something to tank out Mm. horribly and bad enough that they have to do this Mm. or something's going to work out well enough that they still want to do this and I think that they're doing that live action version of the show and I don't agree with that but i don't hate the idea that they're going for and i think that the thing that's helping that is the fact that one there's like this entire wild fight about the original series and the sequel series and honestly i actually really like the sequel series i think that it's impressive in its own right but it's no avatar the last airbender but i think that the gap between the two and what happens with ang and everybody after the original series is just as interesting and to only have that in graphic novels is like kind of just you know it's a drop and i understand you want to go and you want to explore different stories you want to explore different storytelling forms and everything like that but giving us an epilogue series would be very netflix mm-hmm. and that show is probably killing it in terms of viewership yeah i think it's actually the number one on netflix like as of this recording yeah <laughs> which like, is wild because it's an old show yeah exactly and they got mad new stuff right now i honestly think that they're gonna do this within the next couple of years and it is going to be fantastic i could see that chris i have a question for you do you think that they might try to fill in some of the blanks in the live action show like i know they kind of did that with like the lemony snicket show where like some of the mysteries that were left in the book they solved in the live action tv adaptation do you think in the live action avatar they'll fill in some of those blanks like suko finding his mom and whatnot i think that they would but i don't think that they're gonna fill in all the big ones i think that they're gonna take it to a certain point and then they're gonna go further than that if they can but i'm more hopeful for this animated version of the show just because i think that that's the better platform to do it on mm-hmm. i mean as long like, as it's better than the Shyamalan movie <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about yeah and that's the other thing that movie makes me very fearful of a live action version of the show just 
because like I don't really see it working out that way, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's one of those well, shows that's hard to pull off in live action. To be f- Fair. I think part of the issue with that, I know I was joking earlier 30 seconds ago about, you know, what are you talking about? But like, I think the big failure with the Shyamalan movie was that all the white people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, it's like throwing salt in the wound there. It's funny because like I know a couple of people from high school that actually did answer the casting call for it because they filmed some of it in Philly. But one of the big failures of it is just that it's not something you adapt to film. Like live action isn't the issue to me. The issue was the medium of film. It's not something that you adapt to film because of all the stories that go into it. Live action television is fine for it. Like because you can go Game of Thrones like level with it. But like they needed a Peter Jackson if they're going to do a movie and they didn't do that. Mm. The grand scale and the epicness of really the battles is what kind of sold it it wasn't just the powers and the fantasy elements it was those large-scale battles and the in like the tension in between them and seeing the way that you know ang worked his way and like the storytelling through combat yeah and i concur with that i just don't know what level of investment that they have in it yeah. because it could look very cw That's team true. up crisis are they putting in that Irishman money or what, how much did they pull in? Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like they yeah. drop in Irishman cash or they drop in like CW crisis cash because that's really what decides it from there. That's I mean, true. if they got the original creators back, they better be dropping a lot of money on it. Yeah. yeah. That's my one Drops hope for this show since like, all right, they're getting the original creators back for this. So maybe there's a chance. Yeah. Chris, you got any more hot takes? Give me my Bat Family show. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Only on HBO Max. <laughs> I'll take it. I ain't even playing. It's funny you mentioned in the avatar live action series because that's actually where my hot take was gonna go to oh really yeah yeah i was watching the animated series earlier since it's back on netflix and the way i felt is like so avatar last night bender is basically an anime version of lord of the rings for families it's nickelodeon doing their own lord of the rings and that's why i felt like if they were gonna do a movie they needed someone peter jackson to really give you the scale of that because the siege of the north is a huge huge scale battle with a giant fleet of warships and like all the effort that ang takes to take down one ship and then he sees the entire navy and he's just like shit the tension and everything you need that scale and that level of investment and like all the other characters that they meet you can't just rush through that in like a two three hour movie you could try there's a lot of beats that you can hit but it doesn't hit the same and you don't really get to see the character progression in a really satisfying way you don't have to have all the jokes and stuff but there's a lot of adventures and stuff that they go on to sell the tale of traveling the world and really building up what ang missed in that hundred year gap that he was frozen he lost 100 years of his life frozen and came back and he's just like well everyone i knew was dead it's my fault in some capacity and like the world is thrown into chaos and i gotta right this wrong yeah if they give the show like game of thrones money then i think i think they're good they gotta do it they gotta do it and the one hope that i do have is the fact that they have the original creators on board to do this in the first place and so i don't see it going astray because they're there to guide it because they know what they want to do in to begin with mm-hmm. jose you asked earlier about whether or not they will touch on some aspects that were only answered in comics maybe i, I kind of agree with chris though maybe they shouldn't they shouldn't do it in exact replication of the animated series yeah. but you kind of have to get the grand scale they have to adapt it for older audiences too mm-hmm. i feel like the live action portion will actually give it a chance to make it a more mature show and i'm not saying yeah. it has to be mature in the sense of like dropping f-bombs and stuff but like make a tv pg tv 
14. Like the, the original series of TVY7, they can make mm-hmm. it TV PG, TV 14. They can make it like Clone Wars tone. Yeah. I mean, it, it should still work and be fine. I right? mean, maturity also is just having a level of honesty towards your audience and recognizing yeah. Yeah. the age of your audience also. So yeah. allowing certain relationships to grow and blossom in different ways and just like admitting yeah. when something's a friendship and something's a more romantic relationship, yeah. which the show at times did not do well enough. Yeah. I think they kind of acknowledge that maturity progression with Korra. Like, it seems like that show got a little more mature in terms of, like, some of the elements that they touched with the politics and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially the third season. Mm. They're maturing, so I think the writers are in a good place to, like, take that next show and elevate to the next level. Jose, you got a point with the whole Korra thing. I think because they did Korra, if they keep the tone of Korra and, but like, set it back to Last Airbender and then make it live action, that's all they really need to do to get the point across. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> I think that's it. So, Jose, where can the people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at S-H-1-T-J-A-Y-L-O-W-S-A-Y-S. And on Instagram at JDLA92. Chris, where can folks find you on social media? On Twitter and Instagram at CWLKR20. Austin, where can folks find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at AHALL3234. That's on Instagram. And on Twitter, you can find me at ADWAUSTIN on Twitter. And you can find me. Me at B C K E S S O on Twitter and on Instagram at L D Chocolate. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day. Deuces. 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 Hey, everyone, this is Chris with this episode's fact check. Luke Hemsworth is not a bank robber, but a construction designer with a terminal illness on his Quibi show, Most Dangerous Game. It also features Christoph Waltz. Viaplay is the Nordic slash Scandinavian streaming service mentioned earlier in the podcast. Harley Quinn is now available on HBO Max. Season 3 is yet to be confirmed. Quibi shows have accumulated a total of 10 Emmy nominations. And finally, Rashida Jones is the daughter of African-American music producer Quincy Jones. And that's it for this episode's Fact Check. Thanks for listening. And that's our show. Nerdcraft Nation is a partner of Pub Square Media and is hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. If you'd like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation, like us on Facebook, or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. If you'd like to send us a voice message, please check our show notes for a link to our voicemail inbox.